Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined by uh, three very manly men. Thank you. Today. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Glenn, what's yeah. your uh, I want to tell you about Blake Harris. I want to tell you the the ultimate American entrepreneurial story that ends just like you would expect it to end in this era of America. And no one knows it. Until today. Until today. Mm. All right, Stu. The border crisis, it's not just a right-wing talking point anymore. Mm -hmm. Speaking of entrepreneurs, I want to talk about uh, one of America's greatest capitalists, uh, Mr. Bernie Sanders. Mm. (laughs) All right, a lot to get into there. He small businesses, doesn't he? Yes, Mm. he does. does. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, I want to thank our sponsor, Real Estate Agents I Trust. Dot com. Glenn, you started this company. I started this company out of frustration because I knew I wasn't alone, and um, I'm, I'm thrilled with this. Um, we, have, we have really impacted people's lives. Um, it, this is not a real estate company. This is really kind of more of a matchmaker service, really. If you don't know who to get to sell your home, you have to have an expert. And at least, I mean, haven't we all, when you sell your house, do you know who the expert is? No. Do you know? No. Yeah. It's it's really very simple. There are three things you really have to look for. And and I learned them by working with the 500 best agents, according to the Wall Street Journal, the 500 best agents in the country. These people make more than every other real estate agent in their area usually combined. And it's because they just they just do these things. So we've we've said, hey. Can we send some of our listeners over to you if they're looking to sell your house? That's what we do. But we've taken the extra step. We've also, they have to be fans of the show. They have to have your kind of sensibilities because you, you have to trust this person. And especially if you're looking for a new house, oh my gosh, you don't want to be trapped in a car with somebody who just hates Donald Trump or who are just, you know, I can't believe that Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton aren't queens of the universe. Uh, so just go to realestateagentsitrust.com, find the right real estate agent to buy or sell your next home. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, so you said the, uh, the, the American entrepreneurial story. So um, one of the guys on, on my uh, production staff brought us a book a couple weeks ago and said, you have to read this. Now, I wasn't familiar with his last book. What's his last book? Uh, it's called Console Wars. Um, and it was, I had him on Wonderful World of Stew at one point, which is it's just a really in-depth telling of uh, basically Nintendo versus Sega in the 90s. It's really interesting if, if you lived through that era. And actually, and Seth Rogen's making it into, like I think, a movie or a series yeah. now. Yeah. And, he's really, and he's really a good writer. And as he said on the air today, I write with my grandmother in mind. Mm-hmm. If my grandmother doesn't understand, then I have to rewrite it. Okay, And so... He tries to de-nerd it as much as yeah. possible. <laughs> okay. So what he wanted to do is he set out to write a book in, I think, 2012 or 13 uh, about Oculus Rift. Okay, so Oculus was started by this guy who, I mean, I didn't even know his name. I still, Blake Harris. Harris. No, that's the author's name. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, what was the Oculus Rift I can't Rift think of his name off the top of my head. I can't remember Palmer this guy. Palmer Lucky? Yes, Palmer yeah. Lucky. Yeah. So Palmer, that's his real name, by the way. Yes. Yeah, I know. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. that can't be right. So this is Palmer Lucky. He's like 19 years old. He's living in a trailer. It's, it's like a beaten down, awful trailer, and he's making Oculus. Okay, He cracks the code. Nobody else has been able to crack the code for artificial reality, which is amazing. Okay? Does it from scratch in a trailer that they, they describe as basically out of Breaking Bad. Like wow. that. This is, this, is, this is an amazing story. Have you seen the pictures of it? Oh, yeah, it's not. Oh, yeah, it's like, it's, woof. Okay? <laughs> so he gets the attention of Mark Zuckerberg. 
When he gets the attention of Mark Zuckerberg, Zuck loves it and says, I'll buy it for $2 billion, but you have to come with it. Okay. Now, I'm with Zuckerberg right around the time that he's buying this. And I know he is so proud of this because he was very upset that I couldn't stay. He wanted to show Oculus, and I wanted to see it, but I had to catch a plane back. And they were all about Oculus. This is the future. Artificial reality is the future. It's amazing. Okay. Then Trump. Then it comes time for the election. This kid makes a $10,000 anonymous donation to a group that is buying some billboards across the country with uh, Mm -hmm. pro-Trump messages on it. Well, somehow or another, somebody in Silicon Valley finds out about this and outs him and says he's a Trump supporter. And then the stories come out that he is the guy behind all of the wicked memes on the Internet. That Facebook's Oculus guy is responsible for all of this. So if you see these horrible memes online, it's him. None of that is true. Needless to say, it came from the Daily Beast, so you can probably assume (laughs) none of it was true. So none of it's true, but everybody's buying into it. He wants to write a a note that says, I did not do that. I would never do that. I am a supporter of Donald Trump, but not all Donald Donald Trump supporters are bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Zuck, it goes all the way to Zuck, And Zuckerberg looks at that and says, okay, you're not sending this out. Here's what you are sending out. You're voting for Gary Johnson, okay? He rewrites the whole thing and says, this is what you're sending out. I'm not for Trump. I've never been for Trump. I'm for Gary Johnson. I'm a libertarian. This is illegal stuff, okay? Paper trail everywhere. So Blake is this really well-known writer He's 2012, long before the election. He's doing, he gets full access to everything at Facebook because he's a great writer, well-known, was voted by like Publishers Weekly and everybody else, Book of the Year, his book before this. He has total access. He's a fan of Facebook and he's a lefty. So Zuck has nothing to worry about, he thinks. This guy goes in and then he starts to see, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's telling you that you can't be for Trump. He sees the corruption inside of Facebook. He's, he's written this new book. He took, it took him two years longer for him to deliver it to the publisher than he expected because he wanted to make sure it was right. He can't find a job. No one will give him an interview. And it's an amazing story. This guy was fired Oculus Rift is no longer his. It's kind of in the trash can now with Facebook in a way. Um, uh, Zuckerberg did illegal stuff. It shows the corruption in there. It shows how you do not want this company. He can't get an interview. We had him on the air today. He's, this is the first real interview he's done. His book was 33,336 when we interviewed him. And I heard his story, and I, I said to the audience, you have to reward this guy because this, this author went on and said, uh, I have to tell you, I've talked to my journalist friends. I'm a lefty. I've talked to them and they said, big deal. The guy liked um, uh, Donald Trump. So what? Who cares? Shut up. And they've ostracized him for telling the truth. And he is, he's just crazy. No one will buy his book. He hasn't another job. He's got nothing. I said to the audience, Buy this book. 
show him that we appreciate people who tell the truth, let the chips fall where they may. Just before we went on, somebody came in. Uh, it is now number six mm. overall. <laughs> that is amazing. From 33,336 on Amazon to number six because of the Glenn Beck radio audience. We need to make this book number one. And every single conservative show needs to have this guy on. The story is unbelievable. And that, unbelievable. That also shows the power of the grassroots movement. It does. I mean, it really does. It does. Yeah, and it shows, the, the, I mean, how bad the media is. I mean, because, you know, look, this guy, did, yeah, Console Wars is not a political book at all. This is not a political book. I mean, two-thirds of it really have nothing to do with politics whatsoever. He was going to turn in a book that was about virtual reality technology and the kind of cool culture and backstories, which are fascinating. Uh, instead, uh, it wound up having this extra bit put on, which is basically this guy gets you know vilified. He didn't do any of the things he was accused of. Um, he said he said on the air he would stake his life on it that he didn't do any of these things that he was mm-hmm. accused of. That's how sure he was. He said, I took an extra two years to make sure. He, he was a huge fan of Zuckerberg and a yeah. huge fan of Facebook. He totally is turned on him. totally turned. He's like, this is an evil company. They're, they're doing bad stuff. And, Zuckerberg is in on all of it, he knows. Did he say why Palmer Lucky got fired? Because he went it, along with it at first, right? And then he got fired later? He did. He was told that he had to take a vacation. So he took a vacation for a month and then played along and expected to be rehired. Then they had this big corporate conference call, and he found out on the conference call that he had asked for another two weeks of vacation, which he hadn't done. And he's like, "Uh uh-oh. And then they fired him. They let him go. And the the main thing, too, to point out here is that this is not just speculation. He has the actual emails from Mark Zuckerberg doing these things. It's in the book. Now, you can't force an employee under any business, any situation, you can't force an employee to say that they're voting for someone else and release statements in their voice that, you know, I mean, look, you know, he agreed to it wanting to keep his job. So there's that. But I mean, this is stuff that is, you know, if it's not borderline legal, it is illegal. Blake Harris said it, it is illegal. Um, and, you know, this is stuff that they have lots of evidence for. I mean, think about this for a second. And I mean this as a criticism. I, I expect the mainstream media to, to avoid this sort of thing. Though, the, 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 that it's this guy who's a left-winger who has incredible credibility going to the same people he talked to about his last book and them saying to him, he said, he was giving us quotes like, that's not the kind of political discrimination we're looking for. I mean, this is incredible. So, but I expect that from, from the left-wing media. Uh, the right-wing media just doesn't maybe not know about it, but the fact that this isn't a big story it. is incredible. I mean, you know, Covington is a good example of this. Like, that was a huge story for the right. That's one kid. He's matched up with a, you know, a ridiculous you know, situation with a Native American and a drum, and it was a story for two weeks. This is a guy who invented a technology bought for $2 billion out of a trailer um, and then has revolutionized mm-hmm. the, this entire world of virtual reality. And he got fired from a company that is on everyone's radar screen for doing shady things and having all sorts of negative activities and having too much power and wielding that power in weird ways. And they fire him because of his political beliefs. And even the right hasn't picked up on it. I hope that changes. It looks like it is happening today, considering his book going up that high. I urge everybody in the audience to A, buy this book and then tell your whoever you listen to. I mean, I I listen to... uh, 
Chad's podcast. You should have this guy on. I will have him on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. And I want to go on record as saying, I, I think the book will be number one by tonight, tomorrow morning at the latest, but I want to go on record as saying I'm the one responsible for all the mean memes. I'm putting them together, <laughs> I'm putting them together in a book form. Right. And it's going to be endorsed by uh, Glenn Beck. Mm-hmm. And we're going to the top, too. Yeah, nice. right. We're taking up. Like and it will be the story that no I one else tell has you, heard. I think yeah. I would push yeah. a uh, <laughs> mean meme, the worst memes out there. I think I would. Meanest memes on the planet. Yeah. You're welcome, America. Mean memes. Yeah. Right to the top. Back in a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I like mean memes. Mean memes. Left can't mean. Sue, so you said that uh, now there's a crisis at the border. Yes. I mean, you know, you remember those uh, right streamists who used to say uh, that there was a crisis on the border. And, <laughs> very far right. Uh, oh, yeah, very far right. And, like, you know, for a while it was people, you know, like, go back to the emergency declaration even, right? Like, there's the opposition to the emergency declaration broke into two categories. You know, our take on it, I think a lot of us here were saying, like, look, you know, the, I, I completely agree there's a crisis on the border, but you shouldn't go about it this way. That was not the left's disagreement with the, with the emergency declaration. They just said, you can't do this because it's not really an emergency. It's not really a crisis, um, which I always found really interesting. Um, well, that's gone. I mean, listen to the mainstream media. They are now calling it a crisis, and it's so obvious they can't avoid it anymore. Um, the new numbers came out from uh, the uh, for the border and the crossings, the total crossings uh, and apprehensions at the border. Um, and they're staggering. I mean, you know, we've always known that we've had a trouble, uh, you know, big time problem on the border. I mean, it was one of the reasons Trump got elected, right? Uh, it's much worse than when he got elected. Uh, here we go. This is the total crossings. They are up 375% year to year. I mean, that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. In a time that we've been told over and over again that we don't have a crisis, it is very strange to see. Um, we have now a total. We, the thought was it may even hit 100,000 uh, immigrants being uh, apprehended. It, it came in a little bit less than that, 92,607. Uh, Remember, Obama's crisis was that got us down to the border was 60,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the highest month. Highest it got. Um, this is, by the way, the highest in 12 years. Now, previously... Um, there were higher numbers many years ago, um, you know, uh, back, you know, 20 years ago or so. Uh, and th- but those numbers were almost exclusively single men or men by themselves looking for work, right? That, that's what, what it was. This is different. This is families. And if you remember um, uh, the whole family separation issue that we dealt with uh, with Jeff Sessions when he was uh, in, uh, AG, he said, uh, we have a crisis at the border. And we are going to now separate families um, uh, from, uh, you know, parent and, and child. And there was a little bit of a difference between what Obama and Bush did on this, um, as we discussed at the time. Um, but he was he was essentially expanding an existing um, uh, way of dealing with this as a deterrent. And he came out and he said, if you don't want to be separated, don't come, because that is what's going to happen to you. They tried to make it into a deterrent. Um, so they attempted that. And at that point, uh, it had hit 8,000 8, families per month crossing the border. Sessions implemented that plan, and it worked. It actually held them at about 8,000. Um, then, if you remember, Donald Trump, uh, and you know, with a lot of media pressure, reversed that policy and said, look, we just can't do this anymore. We've got to figure out another way. Well, it's slowly escalated uh, ever since, and it has risen now in this last month, 53,000 families across I mean, it's an incredible amount, and I guess that means in family members, 53,000. But you're talking about almost seven times the problem from when Sessions was there. 
Um, and so it's interesting to look at this in a couple different ways, I think. Uh, one, I think there's a way to look at this and be somewhat critical of the way Trump handled that situation. I mean, you know, look, he fired Sessions for other reasons. Um, he was not happy with him. Sessions did implement a hardline strategy that Trump eventually backed down from. And since then, the problem has gone up seven times. I think there's an analysis there from the right that actually shows eh, Trump probably should have done something else. He's tried a lot of things and none of them have worked. That being said, when you do a lot of things and none of them work, what do you do? You switch the people out. And he has done that. He hasn't tried he hasn't stayed loyal to people that he didn't think could get the job done. There's a lot of chaos right now in trying to figure out who's going to be the replacements. But I mean, when you're in a situation and you go down the road, you know, it's like when you have new information, you change your mind. You know, that's what you do. And he's changed his mind. He's bringing in new people to try to do this a different way. And hopefully they can get it under control. They have tried several plans uh, that have not that Congress has not allowed to try to get this under control as well. But I mean, I think you I think if you ask Trump in an honest moment, what is the biggest regret of your presidency? The fact that he has not been able to get this under control probably tops his list. I will tell you that I think, again, the if we have to look at this as military strategy, you have to cut off the supply line. That's that's how you choke an army to death. You cut off their supply line. The supply line is not Honduras. It's not south of the border. It's Chicago, Illinois, as we pointed out yesterday. It is, it is, it is George Soros. You have to turn the guns away from Honduras, and you have to... Well, I don't want to say that we're going to shoot any Honduras. These metaphors need to be improved. Yeah. The marshmallow guns need yes. to be... Uh, you need to stop focusing there. I mean, that's important, so you have to watch it. But don't... don't put all of your eggs in that basket, you've got to go after the source of the money, the, the ideology, the people who are recruiting and telling these countries, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because what they're trying to do is overwhelm the system. You'll notice the press is now saying that it is a problem in our country. It's a, it's a, it's a real problem. But what are they saying? Release them. Yeah. Release them into the country. That is insanity. And they're doing that, though. I mean, they I are actually releasing them into the country. But that's why they don't believe that it's a crisis. Because yeah. to think it's a crisis would mean that you would have to think that allowing people into the country without stopping them and knowing who they are is a but, bad thing. But mark my words, they're going to change the, the dialogue on this. They're going to make it a crisis, and then we're evil for not just releasing them into the country. Yeah. No, it is a manufactured crisis. Um, and, and look, bottom line, I can live without avocados. I get all of them from Jamie Foxx and Tom Selleck now. And they're all <laughs> manufactured right here. They're grown right here in America. Yeah. So, but it is. It's a crisis. But you're exactly right on that, Glenn, because it's not it, – it, it, you know, America didn't just all of a sudden become a great free country overnight, and then all of a sudden this border crisis goes up 375 percent. It gets to a point where – someone out there is manufacturing this thing and making these people come. Because otherwise, how do you explain that growth? Right. Last word. Last word. You know, they keep saying these are asylum claims, right? I mean, if they're asylum claims, we've seen a lot of reporting of the horrible things going on in Venezuela. And we've argued that, like, it would be a great thing for Trump to start taking asylum claims from Venezuela to prove, to show how bad socialism is. I think that would actually be a really good move. Mm -hmm. But where's the reporting on how bad it is in Honduras and Guatemala? These countries don't have Venezuela-level crises. Mm -hmm. That's not the that's not what the situation they're in. That's what asylum is designed for. And the idea that people are now obviously just using it as a loophole in the law to get in here, uh, it's, a, it's a shame. And it, it's going to wind up eventually, even Democrats will come along to the point where, look, we, we, we need to change these laws because it's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into Bernie when we come back. Ooh, sounds, sounds ooh, scary. Oh, that was, yeah. Sorry. I want to get
All right, Chad, what you got for us on Bernie? <laughs> well, you know, let me go back to his point for a second, talking about uh, the border crossings. Even Bernie, in a speech here, what, last week, said there's poverty all over the world and we can't just keep letting this come, mm. you know. So even he came out that and said, a, look, there's, I was amazed by there, that. there's an issue. And it's, you know, you got to see it in the context of what he was saying because that was not this only point he was trying to make about that. He's, he's still Bernie, so don't get me wrong. But Bernie, Mr. Breadlines himself, has now come out and defended his wealth. Yes, he's a millionaire. Can't deny that. Owns multiple homes. Now, this is the guy that wants to take all of your wealth, all of your money. He wants to give free education. He wants universal basic income. He wants people to have uh, free, you know, Medicare for all and all of these things. But why are you a millionaire? How, as a senator, and of course, Bernie says, well, if you wrote a best-selling book, mm. you too would be a millionaire. Well, that's easy to do, right, Glenn? Just oh, go yeah. out and write a best-selling book. Oh, yeah. A best-selling book and become a millionaire. And right. become a millionaire. And his platform as a senator has nothing to do no. with no. him being getting you know being able to sell that many books. So, Anna, you and I were you were on the podcast today on my show, and, and we brought this topic up, and we were you know here's a guy who is a socialist. He had his honeymoon in Russia for crying out loud. The guy, I mean, <laughs> exotic Russia. Come to Russia. It's such a romantic getaway. I've been there a time or two. It's. Uh, I thought I was going to get murdered. Um, it, you have this guy who's a socialist, and he's defending his capitalism mm-hmm. because he wrote a book in a in a in an economy that allows you to write a book mm-hmm. and become a millionaire mm-hmm. and be successful. So the hypocrisy of the whole thing again. It's one of these. Uh, it's not for us, it's for you. Like, what we're going to be compassionate socialists and apply it to you, but the ruling class, no, we're, we're good. We're, we're going to continue doing the thing. So, you know, I look at a situation like this, and, and I, I want to just say to the American people who would even consider this idea that you're willing to give the government so much power that has this much hypocrisy, because let's face it, if they can give you everything, they can take everything. And a guy like Bernie who will look you in the face and say, I don't believe in capitalism, but I've used capitalism to become a very wealthy man. And I'm not going to give it up, but it's not good for you. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, the scariest part, too, is if you, if you happen to watch uh, the uh, Glenn Beck program right before this, you saw the chalkboard and, and you were talking about what president would come. What was the reaction to Trump, like because every the pendulum swings back and forth. Right? We like a, a calm guy, and then we like a guy who's loud. Like go back and forth. I mean, the identifications there, the characteristics you identified, it was Bernie Sanders. Mm. I mean, and that's terrifying. I mean, yeah. hopefully, you know, that's not going to happen. But I mean, Sanders still leads the polls. I mean, he's all of his scandals have pretty much been out there for the last four years. He benefits from running against Hillary last time. He's got lots of money. He still has energy behind him. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine him winning. I mean, how does a self-avowed socialist win a presidential election in the United States of America? But I, uh, I feel like anything can happen now. We live in a post-fact era. We do. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter that he says, I wrote a book, because people don't know enough, you know, especially the younger generation doesn't know enough about what capitalism actually is. They just know that it's a dirty word. Or what books are. I got to get into this whole book business. I'm telling you, man, I hear it's lucrative. Yeah. Yeah. You can make, what, six cents on the dollar off of every sale? I mean, I, yeah, yeah, or, or if you're lucky, six yeah. cents yeah. per the $10. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, six cents from every sale of every book. I, yeah, it's, it's a crazy deal. But come on, people. I mean, how can he, honestly, Lucrous. how can Bernie Sanders not just give away enough money so he has $999,000? Like, yeah. you just got to get under a million if you're Bernie Sanders to, to be at all credible. And they just. They he, don't care, 
though. Yeah, he likes they it. They don't care. He, he, likes he says he's going to release his tax returns on the 15th of April. We'll see. Can't wait to see. I don't care. I don't care either. You care about his taxes? I like to make fun of him, so yes. You care about his taxes? I must do. All right, we'll see you guys in overtime. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Boston College's Pro-Life Club, Students for Life, they hosted an event recently. And they were trying to, I believe, encourage a healthy dialogue, uh, you know, with the students on campus. And there was a really interesting slash disturbing exchange. Watch. So do you think that the children that are apprehended at the border that are in government, U.S. government care, whether it's a U.S. government agency or if it's a Catholic relief agency that's being contracted by the government, um, do you think, like, babies who are going to die should be resuscitated and be given care? Do you believe that, um, like, a baby who's born alive during an abortion in a Planned Parenthood should get care? No. <laughs> why is it not a baby? Is what I want you to tell me. Is why do you think it's not a baby? Because it's a fetus. What's a... It hasn't been born yet. <laughs> but if it has been born, so if this baby comes out of utero and the digoxin hasn't been successful in inducing cardiac arrest, and this baby is alive... Well, first of all, I think that's a really rare occasion. Thank you. Um, I think it's a really rare occasion. So I don't think it's all abortions, but... I it is rare, but it does happen because a group of abortion survivors were just at the White House. This is where we're at. What did I just watch? Oh, my goodness. This is, this is where we're at. The, it's important to give uh, care to people crossing the border, babies who may be crossing the border with their families, but a baby who happens to make it through an abortion, no. <clears throat> Fascinating. Uh, that is on multiple fronts. Uh, that point, obviously, I don't know how you could possibly square that. I mean, the only thing you can do is, well, their intent was to kill it, so it should be dead, so therefore it should, we shouldn't have to resuscitate it. That's a psychotic mm-hmm. point. Um, the other thing I think is really interesting is how she needed moral support of that point. As she's sitting there, like, arguing for the death of children who have been born by her own definition, and she's correct, it is rare. It's not... I mean, but like, you know, we're making a point here and it's important. I mean, answer the question. Right, answer the right. question. Um, and uh, she gets the sort of like hug from behind for moral support so that she can, what, stand up to this really scary lady at the front who's arguing for the lives of children. <laughs> I, like, I, With a rubber baby. <laughs> Are you telling me that if I drop this rubber baby... Uh, <laughs> She doesn't need moral support. She needs therapy is what she needs. I mean, this you're talking about murder here. If this, you know, it doesn't matter. I can hide this cup under the table. It's still a cup. <laughs> its location does not determine its identity. It is still a cup. If a baby is 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 living. So, you know, Lindsey Graham just came out. He's proposed this new bill and he talks about the fact that, look, babies in the womb, if you do surgery on a baby that's in the womb, they give the baby anesthesia. Why? Because they feel pain. Mm-hmm. They, feel, they feel anguish, anxiety. They yawn. They gasp. They, you know what I'm saying? They, they stretch. They're tiny people. They're babies. Mm-hmm. They are babies. They're not babies. They're not its. They're not blobs. They're not fetuses. They're not tissue. They are babies. You were one. 
You were one. I still am. I was one. (laughs) Baby, let me tell you something. That's this. This is ludicrous. The fact that you can look at human life and say, "Okay, well, based on its its location, then I'll tell you what uh, I'm going to define it. Define its humanity. It's ludicrous. It's murder. These people are idiots. They're crazy. They're morons. Let's say a serial killer finds you out in Central Park somewhere and has an intent to kill you, but you get away. Well, you deserve to die. I mean, that's really what she's saying because, I mean, you're saying the location doesn't matter, which is true, but she's even saying a baby born alive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like the Don't location is out of the Don't mother's help. home at just, this point. Just put it in the dumpster, flush it down the commode, just just leave it out there, mm-hmm. and let it let the elements kill it. I mean, the left has... The left has furthered this conversation. What if, okay, people say, well, you know, it, it's, it's being fed by the mother's body or it's being cared for by the A two-month-old is being fed by its mother. Mm-hmm. Right. A, yeah, a two-year-old is not self-sustained. I mean, two-month-old is not yeah. being, is not self-sustained. But you kill that. And again, again, the question goes back to, okay, if, if that serial killer finds a pregnant woman in Central Park and stabs her to death and kills her and the baby inside of her, that's a double homicide. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's funny because the left constantly is, is going on and defending Roe versus Wade. And it's like, I mean, I, it, as if, if we could take right now, I would love to go back yes. to Roe versus Wade. Yes. Roe versus Wade is a massive move towards conservatism yeah. is what it is. It's, we're nowhere near Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade only allowed unrestricted abortions with gov- no government involvement in the first trimester. <laughs> the second trimester had all sorts of restrictions and the third had a million. They could actually ban it in the third. Um, we've gone way, way past. We've gone past all the trimesters now. Yeah. We're talking about post-trimester. We're, out of, we're in the quadmesters at this point. <laughs> I just We're getting to the point where it's going to be like a 50-year-old is going to be like, well, it's the 150th trimester. I think we can do it. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's one of those things where we should probably step back and say, hey, look, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a separation here between, um, you know, this idea that life is difficult to define and this conversation that's been going on around this. I, I don't have a difficulty with that conversation. To me, it's quite clear. However, this is a different conversation we're now having. We're now having we're talking about people who are alive, who are able to to uh, to breathe on their own. Their hearts are beating. These are the cutest things, the most defenseless things in our entire society, and we're now arguing for their death. I mean, that is not a healthy instinct, but it's uh, more and more common. Yeah, I feel like now is a really great time to remind everyone if you have not seen uh, the movie Unplanned. Oh, yeah. Uh, now is the time to see it. Take a friend. Maybe a friend who's not, like, rapidly pro-choice, do you think, Stu? I would say, like, someone who's on the fence, maybe, you could get through to? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I, yeah. I, I do think so. I mean, I think someone, it's, it's impactful. Um, yeah. And the thing about it is it's such an amazing story. I mean, I think a lot of uh, the talk about it has been about these couple of scenes that are really, you know, difficult to watch and to get through because it's, they're, you know, they're... You know, it's showing what really happens. Life. Right, because it's really... But uh, the other part of it is just an amazing story. I mean, take, take abortion out of it for a second. I mean, here's a woman who was fighting, uh, you know, if you wanted to put in political terms, was fighting, uh, you know, all the way to the left and moved to the right. Now, she's politically, she's not a hardcore conservative. I don't think Abby is. Mm-hmm. But she just on this, you know, she's had a real change of heart. Uh, kind of an amazing transformation and an amazing story, whether it's about abortion or not. Adding on such an important issue, I think it makes it more impactful. She, th- oh, she thought she was helping women. I mean, she yeah. really thought she was reducing the number of abortions by what she was doing with Planned Parenthood. Uh, Emma L. Um Emma L. Roberts signed the inside of my hat. She's a co-star of Unplanned. Oh, she and Jared Lotz came to my hat. show in Anaheim. Yeah. I, she stole my hat and said, I'm signing it. I said, please don't. And she did it anyway. She signed on the inside. So now I 
got Emma L. Roberts on my head all the and time. And then if yeah. you sweat, it'll imprint it'll the bleed uh, right on through. Right on your, yeah. right it's on a your good movie. There. And a lot of people have asked me, they said, is it just nonstop gore after gore? It's no. not at all. No. Not it's, at all. A it is a, it's a couple of scenes, but it's, it's eye-opening. Take the teenagers. Yeah. Get them in the R-rated movie. Uh, all right. So an Instagram star whose name I don't know and whose name I'm not going to find out because I don't really want to promote her, uh, apparently is very upset because she, I think she has like 100,000 followers on Instagram. And apparently people were reporting her account as spam and they were just messing with her social media account, social media followers. She's really upset about that uh, because it, it, might, it means that she might have to get a real job. Watch. <laughs> hey, guys. So, like, oh I'm in the middle of editing and my Instagram account got deleted. And I'm trying to get it back. I'm calling everybody I can. <laughs> And I don't know why it's not working out for me. I'm in LA because of this. I'm in LA because I want to be on Instagram and I'm randomly just recording this to put this in the video. I I am nothing (laughs) without my following. I am nothing without my following. And when people try to hate on me and report me, I've literally tried to be a better person. I want to say to everybody that's been reporting me, think twice because you're ruining my life. Because I make all of my money online. All of it. And I don't want to lose that. And I know people like to see me be down and be like them and be like the 90 percenters, the people that work 9 to 5. That is not me. Okay, I changed my mind. Everyone go to Jesse Taylor on Instagram and report her. <laughs> I've changed my mind. That's mean. I don't know how she Instagrams with those fingernails. How I do you know. Type how or do even you do the phone. Look, I'm sitting in this seat where I am today because of social media. I went, you know, viral and all these things and videos and and so and I'm like, who finds their sense of self-worth based on a following that you don't even know, that doesn't even exist? I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I am wanna, nothing. We talked about Zuckerberg followers. earlier. I want to punch and kiss Mark Zuckerberg in the mouth at the same time. Like, I appreciate the guy, but I hate the guy. You know, I'm like, well, this, this downward spiral of civilization, it produces this crap yeah. of a girl like that who's, who's such a victim. The Oh, my God, I lost my following. <laughs> <laughs> Do I feel like it, it kind of ties into the conversation that we had the other day about uh, suicide attempts yeah. in younger kids because they've got all of this self-worth yeah. in likes and retweets. and Yeah, it's it's incredibly unhealthy. I mean, I, the idea that you would even say that, that you've, I'm worth nothing without my followers is such a, I mean, that's such a revealing thing to say and a revealing way to say it. I mean, to, to give a little bit uh, if you want to have a little bit of sympathy for her here, and I know probably most people don't, uh, but but if you want to have a little sympathy here, if this is her business, I mean, this is you chat. You know, Chad's huge on social media. It's like if this is your business and it just gets taken away. I mean, it's like if your bakery burns down and you run a bakery, you're going to be crying too, right? Yeah. I mean, you might not say I've lost all my self worth. I'm worth nothing without my donuts. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it, this is a real business. And if this is, is her actual business where she makes money, yeah, and I agree with that. Take, we've seen that about with conservatives, right? Like you make conservative content, you get kicked off. Like that is that can be really impactful to your life. You got to have more. I mean. You gotta have more of a foundation, however, than yeah. to let it get you well, there. My thing is, okay, there. You, we call them followers. How many people are following you in real life? Right. Like, are, are you really a leader? Do you have followers? No, you're just entertaining people with content. You're putting something out there, patting their bobo. You're scratching something that's itching, and and they like it. So you're right. I mean, yeah, it is a business, and if it goes away, I I'm, I've been shut down on Facebook before, and I'm like, well. 
That's stressful, but yeah. Hey, maybe I'll get my life back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I, I just, I do think I, that I read, I don't want to misquote this, but I believe that it said that she was upset because she might have to go back to her life of like, like prostitution or oh, something. Wow. And I was just like, yeah, that? girl needs some self-worth like <laughs> yeah. right away. Well, and let me say that you bring up an interesting point when you say self-worth. And let me say something to you kids. The issue going on in the world today, you don't have a self-esteem problem. That's a perfect example right there. She esteems herself very highly. Yes. The issue is self-worth. People don't have self-worth, that sense of intestinal fortitude and confidence that says, you know what? And that's what makes America a great country. It really is. It is that backbone, self-respect, respect for other people, self-discipline, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. That's the kind of thing. Girl, start over from zero and build yourself a new following. That's mm. all I'm going to say to you. Preach. All right. We were just taken to church by Chad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stu, hey, how's the Biden bracket going? Uh, good. Go vote. Uh, BidenBracket.com. <laughs> we're in the frightening four right now. Uh, I thought maybe we could go over the last couple of, of uh, matchups here because they're, this is t- I don't know where hard. to go on this. Uh, really uh, we went back and forth between yes. frightening four and foul four. Uh, foul, <laughs> frightening four had the two syllables. Foul four, kind of you roll it off your tongue. I don't know. I'm like not sure which one I like. I like yeah, they're both good. Um, I mean, either way, it's true. So these are the, uh, we're down to the final four, and this is like, these matchups are tough now. How creepy is the Biden picture? Now, I don't know if you remember if the video of Chris Coons's daughter is mm-hmm. particularly uh, disturbing. I'm picking be- that one because she's pulling away multiple times as he tries to kiss her and get into her ear. That was weird. The girl in the red dress, though, is like he's like slyly putting his hand out there and grabbing onto stuff, and like that is really creepy too. Uh, so those two, I think, are particularly disturbing. And then you have. Uh, you have the journalist who is getting grabbed around the waist. There are photoshops of this photo, by the way, where he has his hands on her boobs. That are not, those are not real. Uh, we would have known a little Prove bit more it. about that. <laughs> yeah, Prove it. that's true. Um, it may have happened. I just didn't happen in the photo. Um, but uh, he is holding her around the waist, and she's again kind of acting as border control. There, she's, you know, she's kind of holding the border between, between his hands and her breasts. It's like one of the first reporters that has ever been for border control. <laughs> Uh, and uh, she is she really wants to hide that there. Um, and then the other one is like, I don't know, it, like it seems like the the other one could possibly be taken out of context. I mean, it looks like he's you know kind of grabbing onto this young girl. I, you know, it's hard to tell with that one. I mean, if you look at the video, it's not quite as creepy as the photo, but those are the final four, and I think we've got a good final four. I mean, there's there some blowout matchups before. I'm voting for Chris. Here's the thing that's freaking me. Like, if I got in your space <laughs> and you're, you immediately want to pull yeah, away, right, exactly. I sense that you're wanting to pull away. Right. I know you want to pull away. But if I keep doing it, yeah. then it gets a little weird. Mm-hmm. What, that's what bothers me about him. It's like you, you go back to some of these and you can tell people are just physically. Absolutely. They're, they're just kind of, this yeah. guy, can, Every what do I do? signal you can give. Yeah. And, and, but he just keeps on. No one is that blind or callous to someone who is physically trying to pull away from you. That's what I think, too. That in and of itself is is creepy. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, it's like, it's one thing for the, the average person. Like, you have someone at your office, right? Mm-hmm. And someone gets in your face, they're too, uh, in your space too often. Like this one. Like Chad. No, um, and, and, and people are like, <laughs> like Jeffy. So, like, people are, like, really That's creeped out by it. And we all talk about it, maybe behind the scenes, we say how creepy Jeffy is. We, we say it HR over and over constantly. again. We go to HR. Mm-hmm. But, like, we don't necessarily tell Jeffy, except on national television. Um, you know, <laughs> kidding. Um, but like, you know, in a normal office situation, right, that's passed around and people don't necessarily talk about it. Joe Biden has seen public criticism of this behavior for a decade. Mm-hmm. And he continued to do it. He continued to walk through that wall of fire over and over and over and over again and grope and grope and grope and grope and grope, if you want to call it that. 
And the fact that he didn't change really shows a real lack of judgment at the very least. Yeah. You know, like you pull away, maybe you give a couple hugs, you realize that, I mean, what do we see from every like supermodel, right? When they get out of the car, they know they can't make, uh, you know, they can't have resting bitch face. They have to be smiling and happy because every photo will be taken out of context. So they know to That's be right. happy. <laughs> Joe should know by now. He's got, he wants to be president of the United States. Have some judgment. He's has, he has coaches in his life. I mean, you can't be at that level of politics yeah. and not have people who coach you in the in the art of public appearance and opinion. I mean, if you're walking, you bring up a good point. You know, if a star is walking a red carpet and stuff, they, they tell them, they say, look, paparazzi's going to be out here. You can't blink. You can't blink because you'll you'll do that. You know, you'll be that yeah. one burp and, like that. And that's <laughs> going to be the one that's on the cover of the National Enquirer. Yep. So he knows. Yeah. All right. Yesterday's poll, Beto recently called the prime minister of Israel racist. Also, he won his election. Uh, in the past, Beto has You're voted. You're Beto won an election, are you? No. Oh, Netanyahu. No. Bibi. Yeah, Bibi, Beto. not Beto. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure about Beto. He's not looking <coughs> so hot lately. Mm-mm. We'll have to cover that on, a, on another episode. So in the past, Beto has voted against the funding of the Iron Dome, which is Israel's main line of defense against incoming terrorist attacks. Yet he is still seen as a moderate in the race. What do you think? 97% of you (laughs) said that Beto is radical. Robert Francis, sorry. 3% said that he was moderate. I have to believe the 3% was uh, left-leaning people who saw it in a retweet from one of their conservative friends. Surely, I have to believe that. Or Beto's family. Beto's family. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's mm-hmm. a great point. Actually, that's good for Beto. I mean, Beto wants to be seen as a radical right now. If he's that's seen true. as a moderate, he's going to lose. Uh, yes, so. but, well, yes, but this is where it, it it's so confusing because that's true for him, but Joe would be running as a moderate, likable guy, and that's going to work for him. I mean, look at the speech he did. Yeah, I'm the most progressive candidate of anybody out here. I have the most progressive record. Is but then that? he says Biden, stuff Biden, like Biden, free Uncle community Woke? college, and he's very careful yeah. to walk that line. So he says the right buzzwords. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when he talks about policy, yeah, he's not as progressive. Yeah, everyone knows that Biden is not as progressive as right. Bernie no. or whatever. So, I mean, I think we all know he's running that way, but he won't act that way in the yeah, primary. Absolutely. He will act like he's as left as he can. And he's the only one with the ability to come back to the middle, yeah. which is why I think people think he's a moderate, which right. he's not. He, he, his record is he was a very progressive liberal senator. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was not a conservative. He has moments in his past where he was liberal in that moment, but because it was so long ago, it was conservative related to now. And that's kind of confusing to people. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, Joe Biden had a very healthy progressive record as, as a senator. In 2019, he is about as moderate yeah. as they come that's true. at this point because uh, everything sucks. <laughs> uh, today's poll, the Washington Post is urging a U.S. district court to throw out the Covington Catholic lawsuit suing them and other news outlets for defamation. Do you think the Covington Catholic families have a case? Let us know what you think, obviously. I mean, it was only just a grotesque misrepresentation of the facts, even though yeah. they were sitting right there on video. But other than that... The Post is the no worst case. example of this, too. They, they were the yeah. ones that basically brought it uh, on them. And look, not only do I want Nick Sandman to win, I want, I'm grooming my, one of my daughters to marry this kid. <laughs> this is an arranged marriage. <laughs> but Nick doesn't know that yet. Not yet, but he okay. will. He'll find out, I'm yeah. sure. I'm going to beat us, a drum in his face till he gets it. Let us know what you think at The Blaze's Twitter. That's at The Blaze. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.